Hey, JJ here. Welcome or welcome back to the Art of Value Investing. This is episode 27. It's the 15th of October, which means that it is more than a month since my last one. I have been super busy haven't, and I haven't really had much to say, really. I've actually been busy with real estate things, which includes moving house soon, beginning of November. So just super busy with real estate, hadn't been thinking about the market much. Well, I don't know, that's not true. I have been thinking about stocks in the market, just not been doing this podcast and maybe not focused on it so much, but it's felt like doing it today again and I'll get back into the saddle, I think. We'll see how it goes, but I will be busy with the real estate stuff for a while. Anyway, yeah, last last one was 10th of September, over a month ago. It doesn't seem like that long, so I, I had to just listen to the intro of my last one, which was, I titled it How Bull Markets Narrow, and it was about um, Terry Smith. I finished reading Terry Smith's book now. It was good. Struggled through the last couple of chapters up until, it was up until last year, but it was repetitive because it was sort of, his talking about, uh, just all his articles and everything he's written as investor letters, but it was good and I kind of I uh, like the way that he does things. One thing that's different from the way that I do is that they fundsmith kind of invest in companies that are that I think the average is over a hundred years old, so they're very stable, very you could say predictable, uh, high return on capital employed, which is what which is one of the things I look for, but. As we know, if you look for if you're looking for younger companies, smaller companies, which I sometimes have, then these things you know, the metrics are a little bit different. But generally, um, I mean, one company that I have from from them, not from Fundsmith, but from from Smithson, their smaller cap company, their smaller cap fund is Wingstop, which I've talked about before, and I'm talk about it more in the future, I think. So anyway. Um, what I talked about last time was how bull markets narrow. Terry Smith mentioned how bull markets over the last few years have sort of, he's noticed it being going from uh, bull markets sort of being generally, after the GFC sort of going up slowly and then, you know, the SP 500 kind of was the, the leader with the big, and the big, and then it narrowed to, to the big, to techs, big techs. And then it narrowed, I, I've observed that it narrowed further to emerging tech stocks. And of course, since, as I've talked about before with Jeremy Grantham, who thinks that the bull market kind of ended back in February when they, so let's say the bull market narrowed down to those stocks and then sort of started to collapse from there. It remains to be seen whether that's true. And, uh, but during, since I've, since I've last recorded since mid early September, market has kind of been going the the market has had a bit of a hiccup it's not down very much i mean i'm talking about the the indices s p 500 um, nasdaq have both kind of been slipping and just in the last few days kind of strong rebounds so we'll see what happens from here um as you know if you've listened to other podcast my other other episodes i'm keen to see whether jeremy grantham's thesis of that the, this, it's a massive bubble that started to burst back in February. Of course, it could go on. It could only be, we could only be halfway there, but I do think, I mean, there are more and more 
seasoned great investors observing the speculation. I, I heard a podcast. I was on Guru Focus on the YouTube channel by Thomas Russo, who said he didn't say he kind of mentioned speculation at the start about how he's observing some more and more speculative activity. And of course, what's happened is that uh, energy. Fossil fuel energy I'm talking about sort of taking off oil prices up, which is something that you know some uh, like Kathy Wood. I mean, she she was given a hard time on Twitter for saying that she didn't. She'd be very surprised if oil ever went above seventy dollars again. Of course, it's it's over eighty now. I think isn't it today over eighty? And inflation is up. And she said it's going to be deflationary. So there's all these competing voices depending on you know. Uh, your your strategy and your framework and how you think about macro and how you think about investing. So, as usual, there's a lot of varied opinions. But, you know, fossil fuel energy is, is taking off while uh, emerging tech stocks continue to dive. Um, and also, cannabis is down. U.S. cannabis is down, still continuing to go down. And I just heard a Twitter spaces today, like a, uh, there was talk over there, and people are getting pretty demoralized. I mean, it's 95% retail investors in that sector. And even the pros in that space kind of seem pretty demoralized, but everybody's, uh, it, was, it was traders, so they're going to be pretty down about it because they're just there trading every day, and it's been going down, 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 down. And we're back to pretty much last year late last year prices and I, i'm just gonna leave it i'm not touching it i'm down definitely down like 30 40 one of them's 50 percent down but i'm really just in that one for the long term we'll see what happens i'm not i don't really like it nobody likes it uh, and i wish that i'd you know uh, when i say i wish that i waited i mean i didn't I bought the fundamentals were fine, they're good, they're still good, they're getting better, so eventually I, I think it'll go up. Politics plays a big part in that space, and you know, the midterm's coming up, we just don't know, so I'm just going to leave it, and it's like 30% of the portfolio, so ouch, but you know, it's, there's definitely long term, I only think long term these days. There's no, even that there's no, in my portfolio, there's no, sh there's no like uh, Graham style investments that I expect to rebound within six months or something like that, or a few months, which I have done before successfully, um, looking for deep value that'll rebound over, a, well, I, I, I was expecting, I would, wouldn't do that for a very short amount of time, but everything that I've done in the last few years is haven't had to wait that long but i'm not doing anything like that at the moment i'm not in any of that kind of in those kind of deals and what else so i think last time i mentioned uh, researching palantir which i have done a little bit i've put quite a few hours into that i mean i think it's good company i've been reading peter teal's book zero uh, zero to one it's an audio book. I read it a couple of times. There's some good stuff in there about how I don't know if I mentioned mentioned it in the last one. I probably did about him, you know, zero to one being a monopoly and about tech. And I mean, it's a good book. I don't agree with Peter Thiel politically, but you know, if he is walking the walk, 
walking the talk, whatever the saying is about creating monopoly with no competition. Uh, in that sector, but the travellers for me, I mean, I I think he, I think he is actually. I think it's probably going to be very good and very big over a long period of time. It is a retail investor favourite, and it's expensive right now. And so I'm not going to go there, but I'll keep following it and keep learning about it. So another one, Alibaba. Um, so China, China in general has uh, since since like a month ago, we've had the Evergrande. The Evergrande saga of it seems to be, um, seems to be going bankrupt or deteriorating slowly, sliding day by day, week by week. And the Chinese government, I think, sort of said they're not going to bail them out. So it's going to be interesting to see what's happening there. And in general, the Chinese property market, which I think has been in a bubble uh, or expensive in a bubble for a long time. So. That's all yet to play out, but the news there, of course, is that Charlie Munger doubled down, and I think it was probably in about the 140s or a bit above, I'm not sure. And so, you know, that was good to see as a shareholder and that he hasn't hasn't sold out. I wouldn't expect him to be too. He's never a short term as that. He's doubled down. I'm currently 22% down. I bought a bit more down when I went down, uh, right down near the bottom. I think 154, I was about to buy when I sort of rebounded, it's rebounded 25% in five days. So that was interesting to see, and then it's sort of slipping back again, and with the the economic trouble, who knows where it's going to happen, but that's another long-term one, they're all long-term, and Pindaldo sort of went up a bit within the rebound, I'm 12.4% down there currently, I bought, managed to buy some more when it was down in the 70s, that's kind of down there where Lilu bought originally. I don't know if he's bought more or what. Uh, we'll have to see if we can ever find out. Uh, but it did go back down to where he bought it, where he bought a small position. So I snapped some more up back there and I bought my, bought my um, cost base down substantially. So I'm happy with where that's at too. There were two Chinese positions. Spotify, I'm down 2% at the moment. If it dives way down, if there is happen to be a market crash, all of these will go down more, probably. And so I will buy more then. And let's talk about what's up. What's up? Okay, what's up? Some of the stocks that are up are Micron, Markel, Nelnet, Serotage Growth Properties, Topicus, Wingstop. All doing pretty well. And they're all long-term keepers, some smaller than others. But, you know, it's not all bad news, not all down, all, some doing fine. So we're kind of happy with where that's at. Another thing that I just wanted to mention was uh, there was a note that came out from GMO, Jeremy Grantham's uh, firm. Just sort of talking about, I've been following this, what he's been saying about the bubble bursting. And one thing that's, that he, they came out with just this last week was a memo, classic science, signs of speculation. So what they're saying is more than half of US growth stocks have negative earnings, yet growth stocks have dramatically outperformed in the last few years. So what they're saying is that the percentage of 
Russell 3000 growth stocks with negative earnings is over 60%, well over 60%. And that, that's, they're pointing out that the last two times, it's, I mean, the graph here looks like a bubble, so it was 2000, obviously, beginning of 2000 was another time, and also um, in 2008. So the way that they define a growth stock is part of their own proprietary GMO composite metrics, composite of met, of metrics they talk about, but so we don't really know what that means. But in general, I mean, the measure's so high that it's kind of obvious. So what they're saying is growth, you know, the huge percentage, more than half, let's say, of Russell 3000 growth stocks are in negative earnings and they find growth stocks in their own way but we can we could guess what that is so that today 60 percent of growth stocks in the russell 2000 index make no money and this was true even before the covid induced recession yet these very companies have been generating huge returns and price movement over the past few years dramatically outperforming their their value counterparts so we can argue about what growth and value means um I define value in a different way to many people, but they talk about growth or value stocks. I mean, it's open to interpretation, of course. The Russell 3000 growth index was up 84% cumulatively over the past two years, though through August, more than double the return of its value counterpart. So investors are making money on companies that make no money. Never a good sign when it, when it is when it is done this pervasively and at these valuations. And while not common, it is also not unique. We all witnessed the same speculative behaviour in the last, in the late 1990s and in the 2008 speculative bubble. So I just wanted to point that out for follow-up. It's interesting. I mean, I also heard a podcast by Meb Faber again on Oz, who was it, oh, I can't remember, I think it was, oh, it's Bill Brewster's podcast, the, the, the Business Brew, I think it was recorded a while ago, I don't know, but it appeared on my Spotify feed, a podcast, I don't know if they, have he released it soon, I'm pretty sure it wasn't, was it old, but he's got on his He's got a, last year he did all these charts pointing out speculative behavior. I've probably talked about it this before, actually. And, you know, it's a pretty good case. And so I, I'm definitely in the camp of the thing that sees a lot of speculative behavior and to watch out. But, you know, having said that, it could be, it could go on for a long time. It could double from here. I don't know. It could get really crazy, right? So you know i'm not i'm and in, i'm invested and we'll see how it goes and i'm I'm not short the market i don't do that obviously michael burry is shorting uh both arc and tesla tesla's back over 800 dollars i see the investors are very happy about that and they it has been producing good results i just i still think it's very expensive and we've got Rivian, that's got an $80 billion valuation, and that's the sign of of, uh, of the market being richly valued. Another thing that I saw this week was Jim Rogers, 
who I hadn't really, I'd heard of him, but I hadn't really sort of seen anything that he'd said. And of course he, if you don't know who he is, he started a fund with George Soros. It was called the Quantum Fund. It ran from 1973 to 1980. So the portfolio gained 4,200% while the S&P 500 advanced only 47% during that time. And so after that, he, it was a good, sort of one of the first global, truly global funds, and he sort of retired after that from having a fund anyway. Motorcycled around the world. Apparently there's a good uh, investing book that I'd like to read. It's called Investment Biker, I think. And I'm going to read that, but he's very, very bearish. It was on, it's on YouTube, Jim Rogers, the worst bear market of it. The worst bear market our lifetime is fast approaching. Strange title, but it's on uh, Wealthy on. It was, it was an interview with him. He's got nothing to push, nothing to, no book, no fund. It's just what he thinks. And he is sort of saying similar things, what Michael Burry is, I guess, and Jeremy Grantham, but he talked about having he has, he's got like commodities silver he talked about farmland which i which i it got me interested in thinking about farmland and water as but not not just in terms of a long bear market but climate change and population so it's worth checking out it's a two-parter and he, he talks about here's silver and talked about commodities and farmland when you know he talked about the bear market and that affecting society and that we have had a massive, massive speculative bubble. So that's where we're at. Just let me say, I didn't say my uh, disclaimer at the beginning there. I think I've come to the end now. Just remember that I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not giving any advice here. I'm just talking to myself as much as to you to work through my own thoughts and ideas. Do your own research and analysis. Don't buy stocks based on what, what I've said, what I say here. This is as good as live too. I'm not spending any time editing. So it may be a bit rough at times. It's definitely true. And you can reach out and contact me at on Twitter at The Art of Value. Okay, see you next time. Thanks.